I do enjoy that thing though. Ever you know the the uh, the trophy that they gave me for the award for winning the national competition is a blown glass hash hole that you can stick a hash hole into it and smoke it. Like no the shit. like the thousand yeah. dollar no one. Shit. And it says National Hash Hole Day, best hash hole two thousand. Was that in Cali? Oh, so you guys are Rob, how are we doing? No, I haven't oh, doing good. No, oh, hey, hey, it's completely raw. We're just going oh, okay. to go into everything. Oh, so, I mean, I, you'll probably ask me about this, but... Um, yeah. Oh, no, I'm going to bring it up. So, 420 is the national holiday for smoking weed. 710 is the national holiday for oil. Okay. Right? Which 710 is upside down spells oil. Okay. And then if you put 710 and 420 together, you get 1130, which is my product is flour and oil together. So, National Household Day, they did the first... National cannabis competition for hash holes, and I won it. Imagine that. Yeah, like literally, like fuck. Well, I, you know, it's funny because we're probably gonna talk about this, but I just went there to go have a good time. I went there to go like have a cool booth and like have people come by and like see what we were doing and experience it and everything. And I have a, I have so much content that I can send you that will help you cut into this because I I had two photographers, two videographers, and one photographer shoot the whole thing. It was eight hours long, so I have a lot of. Okay, okay. So, like, cool. if we're referencing things yeah. and you're like, hey, do you have any footage of that, like, afterwards? Yes, I'll just yes. send it to you. So, it was a good event. It was, it was, other than having my daughter and my wedding, I'd say it was probably one of the best days of my life because it, it, it launched the culmination of what I've been working on for the past six years in California. I was like, all of a sudden, like, everybody knows who I am now and, they, and everybody wants to smoke. Imagine that. They want to smoke the best hash hole in America. Oh, yeah. And I haven't even released it yet. I'm launching it next month. With the brand, a rosin brand that's arguably the best rosin brand. Oh, West. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, are you able cool. to ship yet back this way? No. What I'll have to do is find manufacturing partners here. I see. Source you, the I product. see what you're doing. You're going to take your brand and you're going to license it here yep. using somebody who already has an established thing in your name. If it's yes. big enough, it's just going to spread. Probably like wildfire. We call it white labeling in the industry. <laughs> even, even like. Smoking the weed part, you know, like on on camera, it's like I teach at a college, and obviously they know I smoke. Yeah. But oh, like, ne- like a like a real college, yeah. you teach at. Yeah, I teach a not cannabis like, class, not a like a cannabis what kind college. Of class no, this is a real college that I teach college the cannabis class at. Okay, nice. cool. Yeah, so it's like they know that I smoke. I mean, obviously, all the students know I smoke. They're not coming up to you like, yo, where's the fire? No, I mean, I, what I do is <laughs> at the, at the, when, when every like semester of class ends. I'll usually like I'll smoke out the whole class at the last day. Nice. The seniors. I mean, they're all college students, so whoever he's at the college party, all ripped (laughs) up. I've been with my wife for eighteen, yeah, eighteen years now, and we got married four years ago. She's from Boston. She's from the Cape. Cool. She's happy for me that this is happening, but she also knows like there's a lot more that comes with it. Oh yeah. Probably not gonna be happy with. Same thing with my old lady. Yeah. 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 Married kids. No, uh, girlfriend, been with her like eight years. She's got a daughter. Oh, kitties. Summer. Yeah, kid, yeah, he calls her kitty. We're on the Let's same roll. boat. All right, we're going. I got one girl. Yeah. Four it's amazing. Old. Started late. Being a girl dad's yeah, you're so getting, much fun. You're you got paid, somebody to take care of you yeah. get older. <laughs> I go in the house and she's like, da, 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 runs over and it's I'm like, best. Yeah, dude, It's the this best. Is, this is why I'm out here killing myself right now. Yeah. yeah. Right? Without a doubt. Gotta leave it for Without a doubt. Without a doubt. You got the drive. Yeah, dude. All this way. I, All right. I worked my longest shift ever. Um, last the night before I flew here, I was at the I was at my uh, distro until one thirty in the morning packing orders. I, I got 
California law, you can't work your staff that long. You got to you got to let them leave. So well, the owner's got to be there. So I just I just stayed there and just made Cali's sure it's tough to run a business. Yeah, there's I mean, so many different laws and stuff like that. You know, this is what I was told. No different from Mass. We from follow. from a guy that I I respect. Oh. I met him and he says, <laughs> right? If you can't go on a three week fishing trip, you don't have a business. You have a job. That's hey, you point. You don't gonna tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> so if you got to be there at yeah, work every day, it's a job now. It could be a high paying job. <laughs> right. You've been making half a million dollars a year. Yeah. But if yeah. you can't leave, it's yeah. still a job. Yeah. Right. But when you can say, hey, you know what? I'm going down to Turks and Caicos for a few weeks, and I'm gonna hang out, and you can turn your phone off and just go do your thing. Now you got a business. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. paying yeah. for that trip while you're there. That's oh. probably gonna be a great feeling. So I'm gonna rush. Bro, this is gonna be a sick episode right off the rip. Look at the vibe already. I'm gonna go to smoke some weed. Hey, just had a whole episode before the episode. Yeah, yeah, we got it. <laughs> We're just hanging out, chopping it up. Let's go. Yeah. But he on. Out the mud. Before I get it out the mud, I stay on top of my fitness And hit the shower, clean it up, and then get back to the business I don't care about who did it, I ain't worried who didn't I head directly to the back, so I'll be there in a minute I got a Spencer taste, the rollie got a different face For surely I'll be in them places, they won't let you pass the cake Post it up, sipping thousand dollars gotcha. Welcome to this week's episode on the How You Doing Show I'm here with my good time friends Rob Blinquist and Ricky Medeiros How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? How you Hello. doing? Hello and we got our first guest, first show, Armand Milhouse. That's correct. Massachusetts born. Oh, native masshole. California pusher. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing what they trained me to do. Right? You know? Right. We're lucky enough to get you out here. You're um on a business trip, so to say. Get you I back. Am, yes, I am. Looking uh looking for some uh licensees. Yep. To partner up with to push your Dunks brand uh, hash hole pre rolls. Yes, sir. Rosin infused pre rolls. Perfect, perfect. How are they treating you out here so far? Well, you know, I've just started. I've made a pretty a uh, couple of pretty cool contacts since I've been here, and you know, we're putting together a team right now that makes sense. So I'm very optimistic about the likelihood that we'll be launching over here in the next like sixty to ninety days. So I, I would say it's a successful trip. Perfect, perfect. Anybody cut you off, flip you off on the way uh, out of the airport? You gotta catch me first. It's hard to flip somebody off at 120 miles an hour. Oh yeah, you're on the gas. Yeah, you're heavy, gas. heavy. I'm in, I'm in a rush to get everywhere, bro. Everywhere. Yeah, so that's that's kind of cool, actually. One of our local local guys in Boston goes out to California, gets it going. We're dying to hear the, the inception of this and how you came about. You know, going from the illicit market. To the legal market and the journey you took, which is definitely interesting to hear it. All right. So I can take you guys back a little bit. So um, I was born in Boston, single mother. You know, you guys all know the story. We, she was this intelligent lady. She knew that living in the Boston, living in Boston during the 80s was not a good place to grow up. You know, freaking bullet shells all outside your place. We live in Roxbury for a long time. So she moved us down to the Cape and I spent a good portion of my formative years down there and probably one of the best places that I could have grown up. What you know, oh, I, I first moved to Dennisport. Yeah. I lived there for about six or seven years and then we moved to Austerville, Yeah, which Ooh, is in the town of Barnes. down there. Yeah. 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 And it, and it was, a, you know, my mom passed away when I was 12. So my brother became like the father of the family. So he took care of like my younger sister and I, and, um, you know, he did good, but he was also, you know, 
doing what guys do to make money. So that's how we were able to live there. But um, as soon as I turned 17, I moved out and got my own place and basically just kind of like screwed off for about. Did you move to town or did you stay down the Cape? I, I, well, I stayed down the Cape until I started getting in trouble. And then I moved to Providence, Rhode Island, which was a great place to get in trouble, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Wonderful so place. You know, yeah. it's, it's one of the you, best You places. definitely were looking to get out of trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you, the kind of trouble that I was creating wasn't the kind of trouble that people in Providence were. were they were more worried about the, the, the greased palm kind of trouble as opposed to, like, people selling weed kind of trouble. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, I moved out there, and I, I worked in um, – I had a recording studio for a while, so I worked in the music industry, and that was – Really fun. I got to work with some great artists, Jim Jones, The Game, some of the members of Wu-Tang, Fabulous, some people from Kanye's camp. Did that for a while. And while I was doing that, I was also involved in uh, what the uh, federal government would refer to as a large-scale drug conspiracy. Nice. Okay. okay. Yeah. And um, they proved to be right. I was involved in that. And uh, How many I, pounds does it take to get into that uh, federal level? Well, it, what I find with, um, you know, the federal part of this thing is they never look at it as pounds they always look at it as money so they're like oh you sold this amount of pounds they're like this is how much drugs you sold worth this value because at the end of the day they can't seize the weed that's all going to get burnt up but the money is important to them because that helps fund the right. things that they need to help catch people i contributed about 300 or 400 thousand in cash to their fund and um, so on the varsity team, you got your varsity jacket. Yeah, I do. I don't, I'm, I'm lettered <laughs> up right no, now. I might be, you know I might mean? be the Tom Brady. In all this right, shit. all right. But um, <laughs> and so during the time when I was away, I I was witnessing, and this is I went away in November of 2012, and I was watching how legislation and the law was changing. You know, and I I always like knew that I could run something large scale. I just didn't know what that was going to be, and coming out of prison as a ex-con or a felon, I knew that my options were getting smaller by the day. So one day it just clicked to me. It was like, why not just go back into cannabis and do it right? And, and, and illegal. Yes, yes. So um, I did my couple of months in the halfway house and you know, kept my nose clean. I had a job the same day I got out. I was working for my uh, girlfriend's father at the time. And um, as soon as I got permission to move to California because I had a buddy that was starting a vape cartridge hardware company. And he wrote me a job offer letter. I gave it to my probation officer and they were like, yeah, you can move to California. So the day I got off of home confinement, my girlfriend and I were sleeping on a mattress in the living room because we had sent all of our furniture to California. And before we got on the plane, I proposed to her. So when we landed in California, we were, you know, engaged. engaged. Yeah. And nice. I went about, you know, trying to become an earner for what would be a family one day. And so I just, just grinded, you know, I started yeah. out selling vape cartridge hardware. I moved into sourcing biomass during the, like the oil or the distillate boom. So I was doing like 20,000 pounds of trim a week over there, just tractor trailers, just Pumping. running, you know, just trailers of trim, just running up and down. I remember the first year I lived in California, I put 40,000 miles on my car, driving back and forth to Humboldt, just to meet farmers. That was pre-licensed. Yes, this was, well, I was working under a license at okay. the time. Okay. So once I got to kind of understanding the the circular flow of the industry, yep. that's when I was like, okay, let me jump in with both feet now. And then my next job was as a distribution manager for a large cultivation out there. And then I did that for a little while. So I learned a lot about, you know, what it takes to move flour from hanging in the dry room to the 
shelves in the dispensaries. You learned the whole process. Yes, I learned everything. My education in cannabis in California was a soup to nuts ordeal. Yeah, so you got to start from the bottom. I did it. I did it. Wow. I mean, I and I got no problem with that. Like the when I came home from doing time, I actually was washed cars at my girlfriend's car dealership in New Bedford. I, I didn't think it was below me. I just knew it was what I had to do to get the people that were in charge of my probation to understand that right. I'm, I'm trying to stay out of trouble. Right, right, you know, right. You guys know like this is something that is a position that's slated for me, but here I am doing what needs to be done to meet you know the, rec the requirements of what you need from me. So that's been my approach. I'm just, I just do what needs to be done because that's what that's what needs that was to be your, done. that was the path you had to take to get yes. to where you wanted to be. And they let me go to California. And when I got there, I just set about educating myself about everything in the process. And my goal was always to go to California, learn everything I could, and then come back here and do it because I never imagined myself living anywhere else. You know, this is where I've lived my whole life, almost forty years. So it's like. When, you, when you're here, it's like, can you really imagine being anywhere else? What it is, is when you leave, because I left for seven years, I lived out west. It's the world that you know here. Yes, it is. It's a totally different game out there. Yes, it is. Everybody I know lives here. I mean, people I've known for 30 years are here. You know, And so it's like, how do you move away from those people? But I was like, I knew what I wanted out of life. I wanted to, you know, amass wealth. And so I'm like, all right, well, no one's going to let me run their Fortune 500 company. Yeah. Right? <laughs> go there. So start like, your own. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> I got to go somewhere where they embrace outlaws or right, criminals right, or felons. Right. And so cannabis was the industry and California was the place. So I went about moving over there. And when they asked me, my friends would go, why are you moving to California? I go, dude, I'm going to Weed Harvard. Yeah, that's right. that's any young hustler like on the East Coast because that's where all the weed was coming from. Most of it was from Arizona, the mid grades. Yeah. The mm -hmm. high end, most of it was coming from California back in the early 2000s. And it's like, shit, man, if I could just cut out the middleman. <laughs> and it, it worked over the course of time, you know, through the transition, I, I was able to, somebody that recognized that I had something a little extra was like, hey, I got a license and I'm not really doing anything. I just got it. Do you Run want, with it. Do you want to come partner with me on it? So I, my first like big leap was to become part owner of a license. Okay. And then at that point I realized this really works if you own the whole license. But I couldn't own the license until I was off federal probation because federal probation, cannabis is still illegal. So, like, if they found out I was running a license while I was on probation, violation. they could actually probation, violate violation. my probation. Because it was a silent partnership? Back yes, to the court. Yeah. No, yeah. no. So but, you, had a, you had trust. Yes, I did. But I wanted, that was my opportunity to learn about how to run a license because I knew that that was in line with my trajectory. Yeah. So yeah. I had to take that opportunity, and, and I did. And during that time, I learned or became very proficient at using metric, which is the system yep. that governs all cannabis in the United States. So once I kind of got really good at that, and I'm kind of a nerd in a little bit where I, I you know, I'm, I know my way around a computer. I, I've, um, I got my software engineer certification from Berkeley since I moved to California as well. So I do a little coding and stuff like that. Okay. You know? okay. But I started to look at this thing and, and I guess like the best part of my my journey was when I came to the point where I said to myself, there's no limit to what you can do. You can do anything. That's right. You can do anything. You just have to get up in the morning, put your boots on. And so um, the, the next phase of it was I applied to terminate my probation because I really wanted to apply for a license because I knew federal legalization is in the pipeline. And at that point, in my opinion, in my experience, that's when the heavy regulation comes in and it'll essentially price 
all the mom and pop people out of the industry. Because what you're going to have to do in order to have a facility that's federally compliant is you're going to have to meet the requirements of a Johnson and Johnson or, or a a Fiverr or any of those guys. It has to be um, a certified medical facility. Grade stainless steel. And you can't just do that anywhere. That takes hundreds of thousands of dollars just to build a facility to code even if you have no equipment and you need non-porous floors, stainless steel, air movement, um, break rooms, ADA compliance. So like all these things would essentially price somebody like me out of the industry. So I was like, I need to get this license now right? before right. things flip and I never get a chance. And what year was that when you got the half, when you partnered with? That was in, it was about two and a half years ago. So I was going to say about the end of 2020, the beginning of 2021. Oh, no okay. Yeah. So you were out in Cali for eight years and then six. Six. Yeah. And then got your first half partnership. Yeah. And now you're you're on your own now? I um so I I filed an early termination for probation yeah. and it was denied. Pause. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why why would they let me go? I'm great company. <laughs> so then I waited a while and I got a new probation officer who was a really nice guy. And I just kind of told him, I'm like, listen, if you guys if your goal is to really help ex-cons succeed, then like you need go. to let me offer probation so I can start earning a real living for my family, you know? And get into a business that I know something about. Yes. And then so this guy was like, hey, you know what? File the paperwork. And I filed it and he called me up and he said, hey, you're off probation. And that was March 28th. I rolled the biggest joint that you've ever seen in life. <laughs> and I smoked out all my staff. And then the next day, I applied for my own license. I thought you said you were going to give it to them. No, no. They, I mean, <laughs> they, I run a different kind of business because, like, I always, like, it's kind of cheesy, but I always look at everything and just say lead with love, like, as a, as a way of thinking. So I look at my staff, and I, under, I know that, like, this person's got a kid, and they need this job to provide for that kid. So I try to make sure that I'm on point so that every week your check clears. And, like, that's just kind of been my approach to it. So I'm like, hey, I know that you guys smoke weed. Instead of you guys taking it from me when I'm not looking, here you go. Let's just set up allowance. an allowance yeah. for what you guys have to smoke throughout the week. So when stuff comes through, I'll pull like a half ounce out here and just put it in the break room and say, "There you go." Or we'll yeah. roll up That's like five thousand pre-rolls and I'll throw fifty of them in the room and say, "There's your allocation. It's more than you can smoke." Plus, you can write it off. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it's getting written off. I, mean, I might need to talk. To, I might need to talk to your CPA about that. I might <laughs> you start writing joints off. Dude. I could do a lot of writing. You can't write much off in the cannabis. No, business. no, they're not allowing that yet. So, right, so I have a quick, quick, quick question. So, because I don't know much about anything. So you know something to get to get your license, to get certain licenses, don't you have to have somebody also that's done some time? So that should be able to help you as well, right? Well, it's not mandatory, but if you if you do qualify for a social equity status, then what they do in Oakland or in California at least is they'll waive some of your fees, and it, they'll also offer support in filing for the license. And in some cases, they'll even expedite your license if you have a social equity applicant on the application. Right. So I personally did not qualify as a social equity applicant for my license. Was it because it was federal time? No, because I lived in a neighborhood in an area that wouldn't qualify as for social equity. So I live, I have a social equity applicant on my license and he lives in what they call an underserved community. Okay. And so I brought him on and we filed together and that gave me the social equity 
applicant status on my license. Well, it's because you had your varsity jacket. That's well, I mean, I think he saw that there was a good team. You know, but yes, I'm, I, I, I believe in like helping people the same, like all the knowledge that I have about cannabis was given to me freely. Somebody else. I had to go find it. But when I did find the right person, no one was ever like, hey, pay me and I'll tell you what I know. It was all given to me freely. You, you know what, though? But obviously cannabis people are going to go work for you. They, they, you know, it's all about cannabis. And, but, you know, you, you made a great point as far as like, you know, people that work for you. You understand the fact that, you know, a lot of people that own a business like, okay, this is what you make. They don't understand the fact that everybody goes to work. There's three, four, five, whatever people behind that check that relies on that person, you know. So your job is also to educate them and, you know, help them grow. So they know? can do their job. and So they can do you. their job. And you know what? And that's where the loyalty comes. And, you know. I like to think, like, my staff, they're like people that I invite over my house. So I'm like, hey, my daughter's birthday this weekend. Want you guys all come over and like hang out? We're gonna grill in the backyard. We got a water slide and a splash pool and everything. And bring your kids over because, in my opinion, I am their employer. But like at the end of the day, I look at it. We're all on the same team. You know, what I mean? like that. Right. Our Not goal is to make sure that this business can feed our families. Right. So if you guys are down to work with me towards that goal, we're gonna be all right. So I kind of like made this rule or a prerequisite of it being employed is that everybody that is employed by me needs to be able to do three things that I need. doesn't matter what they are. If you're not a delivery driver, then you need to be able to do dispatch. You need to be able to roll pre-rolls. So that way, no matter which way, if there's an expansion or a compression in the market and I say, oh, we're going to cut back on delivery and scale up on manufacturing, I don't have to let you go. I can just move you over here. You can shuffle them in. That, and, and that's what I, I was like, hey, listen, I'm just trying to Make sure that you guys know that you have job security here. Now, you might not want to learn all three of these things, but you'll be happy that that happens if, our, hey, we got to scale back production because nobody wants us to do pre-rolls or nobody wants us to package flour, but we're going to go heavier on, di on distribution so you guys can do the long-haul drives from Oakland to LA or from Oakland to Humboldt. Or if that gets, you know, if we cut back on that, all right, we're just going to go heavier into manufacturing or we're going to do this, but... I want everybody that works for me to to be there when at the end. So like Facebook, the janitor became a millionaire, right? Right. So I just tell I just tell everybody that. I'm like, hey, listen, stick with me. You see what I'm down to do for us to win. Right. So if that's enough for you, then I'm just gonna keep running the ball and you guys just back my play. And when we get there, everybody eats. Yeah. So the first thing I did was when I took over the ownership of this delivery service. I gave everybody a blanket raise across the board. I'm like, hey, I don't know if the business can support this, so you guys better help me make the money to pay you guys. Right. You know what I mean? And are, are they doing performing better with it? You know how do they react? Sometimes you give them people extra money, they you get the same quality. Sometimes I think, you, you know, they perform. You know? I think that people know that I'm the type of person that giving them extra money is just the start of what I want to give them. So they're like, hey, if this guy's going to come in and give us all a raise and then say, hey, let's make some money, what happens when we start making some money? I'm like, like one of my guys, he's like really nice guy. His name's Dorian. He runs dispatch for my delivery. And he every time I come into work, he's like, man, I love your car. I'm like, dude, I want you to buy it off me. You know what I mean? I, this car, if we both do what we're, what we're trying to do, this is your car. Right, right, you know I mean? right So like that's right. what I want for the people that work with me. I want everybody to level up. Just like when I was trapping, I helped all of my friends buy houses. Right, right. right. All of my friends like go on vacations and put their kids through school and do yeah. the things that they yeah. want.
You know what I mean? So like, I look at it the same thing as licensed cannabis and illicit cannabis. It's the same kind of party. Yeah. It's just different people attend. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not, it's not that, I just, in my opinion, I just want everybody to win. The only thing different now is you have to pay taxes. On you have your to property. pay taxes. That's it. That's Other it. than that, it's better in your friends, better in the people around you, you know, better in the whole movement. I know that I can make more money selling licensed cannabis than I can when I was selling illicit cannabis. Because I've, I've seen people to the left and the right of me get valuations on their company, 20 million, 30 million. I couldn't get a 20 or $30 million valuation on selling fucking, <laughs> selling weed no. to people on the street. So let me ask you this. The stuff that you're pushing on the black market, you think it's as good as the stuff that is Hell now? Hell no. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was at the top at a time when the Canadian, the Beasters, the BCs, yeah, yeah. I was moving a fair amount. I was moving my share. Let's what do you think it's going to test out as? It's going to test good? If I, <laughs> as somebody who tests product three or four times a week, I would say that Beaster stuff probably tested in the high teens, low 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have product like the uh, Dunks Hash Hole. I think that's testing at what, 47 or something like that? Maybe in the low 50s? With the concentrate. Yeah. 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 And, um, I would have never been able to function off of smoke. 40%, THC, 40%? Yeah. Man, I'm going to need a sugar cube when I smoke this. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's, you don't mind, do you? Fire yeah, no. Fire it up. But there's a technique to it. So what you want to do when this. you light that thing up, it's man-proof, but I think children yeah. can open it. Hold on. It is man-proof. <laughs> now, um, your Dunks brand... Did you start that on the West Coast? Yes. Or is that only you started that with hopes to bring it to the East Coast? Or I how did that come about, the whole Dunks brand? So I started Dunks on the West Coast. And what it was, was like, I worked in fashion for a while. I used to own a boutique clothing store in Providence. And I was really into the brands that would riff on things that had nothing to do with clothing. So you see like a lot of big brands now, you'll see like they have the DHL by like the designer from Gucci. Or they'll yeah. have like... They'll riff on stuff. So um, I think Vetements was like kind of spinning off a champion. Yeah, that's actually, that's champions coming back now. You know what I mean? Back and in so, the day, that was like cheap stuff. I, I always like I always liked the idea of taking something that exists and putting your own spin on it. So I put the Dunks thing together over there, and everybody that smoked it loved it. And they loved the branding. And like, I'm sometimes you people tell you things, and, and you know, there's a lot of yes men in so you don't always believe everything that people say. Like, oh, this is genius. This is amazing. This is going to go so far. And then you're like, but one of the things that I've found about myself that I've realized lately. That's really good. Thank you. Is that doubt is always there. It's oh, always like right over your shoulder, like telling you, do you really think you're going to make millions of dollars off of this stuff? Like just right there in the background. And it, right. it, it it's like a personal challenge that you have to have oh, that conversation you, it's with It's exactly yourself right. You need day. that, right? You need, you need to be uncomfortable. High. Yes. You need to be uncomfortable and stay uncomfortable. Mm. You know what? I think I'm already high off of that. I'm actually, I don't smoke. Oh, yeah, Ricky, don't yet. smoke. Yeah. Maybe. Cigar. Give it to the cameraman. He'll. Yeah. Cameraman's getting. You guys can't see this right now, <laughs> but the cameraman's getting. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. Everybody's hitting. I can taste it. A couple of friends from the neighborhood in the background. My question is, because I know in Massachusetts, they go through people with a fine-tooth comb to get the license. In California, it was very lenient. Well, it is. I mean, well, I had to do what's called a Cori uh, check or a live scan. Yeah. So I had to go and fill out a documentation and submit it for the FBI to do a background check on me to make sure that I think the two prerequisites are no financial crimes no gun and crime. no mob ties. 
Okay. You know, organized crime. Yeah, yeah. Because what, be what they don't want is for you to make $10 million and then <laughs> funnel it to the Taliban or any yep. other kind of terrorist yep. organization. So yep. that's like their two big prerequisites. I'm not sure if a firearm charge, I think I have one on my record. I'm not completely sure. They might have swept that one under the rug. It was a long time ago. So maybe it was it didn't fall under the purview of the time frame that they were. Well, pushing it around, they're terrible at... Uh... Well, maybe they just... They're terrible at putting things down. Thank you, Ronald. There's a good yeah. chance that it doesn't always make it It's back. probably in there. It's probably like flooded I, out somewhere. I like the idea basement. of the glass piece. It doesn't give you the... doesn't heat up and get all squishy on the end of it. How did you come up with that? Well, you know, over the course of the time when I, when I was making a lot of money, I became what I would cons consider to be a luxury consumer. So there's certain things Whole that, Foods type of guy. Well, I maybe the high end maybe. guy. I, I still like a good home cooked. I just meal. see glass and it makes me. But wonder. the glass tip, it, it conveys that luxury feel because when you smoke it, you don't have to worry about the things. You don't have to worry about leaf getting in your mouth. You don't have to worry about a wet paper. And the the cool part is you can smoke it all the way down to the glass piece, so there's no waste. I don't think I'm going to be smoking that down to the glass piece. So I'll be under the desk here. So you got that branded? Huh? Do you have that branded? I do, but I do not own the intellectual right. property on that particularly. But that's something that we're working on right now, to be honest with you. Like, I just got in contact with an IP attorney. And we're trying to see how much we send have the, to deviate big from check. this design to not infringe upon anyone else. So is it safe to say everybody's oh, running like, on your shit in Cali? Yes. <laughs> Cali is smoking on dogs right yeah. <laughs> Pretty consistently, actually. <laughs> Because you know, we run on because I think the California is probably fifteen to twenty years ahead of Massachusetts in weed. Well, you know what? I would like to think that they're not ahead. They're ahead not in just weed. They're ahead in weed business. But make no mistake, Massachusetts is a large consumer of cannabis in the United States. Oh, no yeah. question about it. I, I think Cal I think yeah. per capita we have the most uh, admitted adult pot smokers per capita than. The cool thing is, is that, you know, if you're in the cannabis market, then you, you're aware, you're cognizant of the fact that the illicit market does exist. And knowing that, you can kind of get a, a scope of, you know, how much, when you know how much weed's being grown there, and then you know how much weed's being sold there, it's a pretty clear number of how much weed is not being sold there. Right, right, So, I mean, right, it's just right, numbers. Right, right. So, if you know those numbers, which I have, you know, an inkling of what those numbers are, there's a lot of weed being sent to Massachusetts from California. Right? Yeah. Oh, like even before it was opened up legal, I think go, Mass bro. is more of a, a consumer importer state than not many people were growing out here in Mass. You know, like most of the weed that was getting smoked in Mass before it got legal was definitely probably 90% of it probably imported. Yeah. It, it wasn't grown in Mass. Yeah. For a while it was Canada and then it kind of, people started becoming aware of the difference in quality and then it started shifting from like Montreal over to the other side, and then they just came down into in the Cali. But Oregon has a lot of um, cannabis too, and they, I mean, their outdoor growing environment is not much different from North Southern Oregon is Northern California. So right. their quality of outdoor and light depth flower is same very climate. similar. It's close. Yeah, yeah, very. I think the difference is the access to the information pool. So. The history of growing cannabis in the United States, all that knowledge is literally seeded in one state. So, like, your grandfather passed on to your father, which passed on to you, and he might have got it from his great-grandfather. Who knows? 
But that knowledge is all right there. Up in the Emerald Triangle. Yeah, there. so it, there, there's a reason why there's so many growers there because if you have a problem, hey, why is my crop doing this? You can literally call your next door neighbor and be like, hey, can you come over and take a look at this? I know, right. hey, Freedom Rock, can you check this out? Yeah. You know, so, I think some guy with long so, hair. So you bring up a couple of good points as far as like, so we had, because I don't know anything about it, right? So we start, I related it all to alcohol, right? Because yeah. when alcohol first came out, it's just all about getting drunk and, you know, it was just your proof and everything else. So we talked about it with, uh, I asked Trevor the other day, I was like, can you tell the difference between a $5 pre-roll or a $20 pre-roll? Because some people don't know, right? No, some people don't. And, the, and some people I don't, will I don't never know anything. Know. You know, some I couldn't people tell will you. never know. I think... I'm going to smoke yours because you got glass at the end tip of it. You know, I'm a little bougie. Let me tell you what. <laughs> you ain't going to get one of them at a dispensary around here, but very soon you're probably going to be able to buy one. We're working on that. Because I'm thinking, I'm thinking about having a sugar cube because I'm so damn stoned. Oh, yeah. well, now we got to work on his diabetes and all that stuff. I only have a few brain cells left anyway. Well, I, I think the, cube. the way that it kind of came about no was I have a second brand called Gems. Okay. It's, not, it's like... G-E-M-Z, it's called Gems Premium. And that idea came about from, it was like probably right, it might've been during COVID, but it was definitely at the end of COVID. And I was like, people are sitting home right now. And my wife, she smoked, you know, okay. And it's recreational, but I think it's kind of part of her regimen. So I would say it's partially medical too, you know what I mean? Cause it gets yep. her wherever she needs to be to operate. Everybody. Levels you out. Yes. So, I was like, so many people are like not making money right now and they need to smoke. So I'm like, how can we like give people like good weed? Cause I feel like people that are used to smoking good weed, the day when you have to only smoke bad weed, it's like, it. it's like almost like you've gotten evicted from your home. <laughs> yeah. You've lost a lot at that point. You're like, I can't even smoke good shit anymore. I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> like, shit, shit is real bad right now. I'm down to the you belt. Yo, like, you're like, yo, I'm, you're scrape, I'm scraping the bowl for resonance right <laughs> yeah. now. Like, shit's gone turbo. You know? Yeah. But um, you don't want to go back. No, no one does. And I think that's the one thing I would say, like, people, why weed is so cool is because it is that neutralizer of a lot of things. Like, you could be wealthy. And you could be not doing so good, and you guys could both be cool over your love of quality bud. You right. have it more easily accessible, and you get it when you can, but you both have the same level of respect for it. Right. So it like it kind of like clears everything out. You know, yeah. it's like, all right, fuck it. You make a million dollars a year. I'm about to get evicted, but we both love this shit. <laughs> yeah, we you both want to smoke. We both want to smoke the best. Oh. Yeah. You know, and so like that kind of that's something you can like bond over. Yeah, I'd be going so living like, at Trevor's house anyways when I get infected. <laughs> yeah, coming over there. This is where you land. This is a good place to start. Good weed and shit over there. <laughs> yeah. So um, I had this Smalls, which are, you know, Small Buds, yep. from the Randy Watson. I put it in my Gems brand, and I named it Sexual Chocolate. <laughs> because he was the front man of Sexual Chocolate, Randy Watson. Right? And okay. it sold out. Like Gone. Gone. And the reason was is because it was a unique profile. The people that smoked it had only smoked it coming from that brand. So if they didn't smoke that brand, my brand was the first time they've ever had so it. So now you're talking like way over $100 pre-rolls. No, it's, it's not expensive. It's just exclusive. Some things, if you know the right people, exclusive things don't have to be expensive. We know that. No, right. But, but guess what? Sometimes when people get, when it gets out there, it's only going to be out limited. You yeah. can charge what you want. 
That's a two gram. What's the biggest one that you guys sell? That's the biggest one. That's the biggest one. We only gram. sell one, one formulation. It's a gram and a half of flour, premium indoor flour, okay. and a half gram of solventless rosin. I could smoke that for like four or five days. Yeah, you could. And it's going to taste good each time because that rosin's soaking into the flour. So when you light it, you get that rosin hit with the, with a little bit of smoke. Listen, I don't smoke weed. I almost want to light one up right now. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the idea. <laughs> you need a couple sugar cubes. Oh, my God. No, no. <laughs> this guy's the I don't want diabetes. He's handing them out for that. So, so anyway, the plan here is you're going to partner up with some local growers. Yes. And you're going to – obviously, they have to pass your uh, – if we're going to have rigid stand, you know, quality control is the start and the end of so all things. So that's like, that's kind of what got me to where I how am. How are you picking your growers? Well, there's, there's a small, there's a few details that we look for in a flower before it's good enough for us to like, you know, bring it in and use it for manufacturing. So one of the things that we really look for is a terpene profile. Okay. And it doesn't have to be unique. It just has to be definitive in what it is. Yep. It doesn't have to be chocolatey. It doesn't have to be sweet. It doesn't have to be OG. It doesn't have to be Kush. It's just that if it is Kush, it, when you smoke it, has to it know you're like, it this is Kush. Yes. That's yes. my only prerequisite. Yep. If it is that and it's well executed, then it'll automatically check the rest of the boxes, which means right. it'll be grown properly. It'll be cured properly. It'll be trimmed properly. It'll be flushed properly at the end of the, before the, you know, the harvest cycle. Yep. And it'll burn that white ash. Yep. Those are like kind of the boxes that we check to make sure that a product's good enough to go into our brand. So, for instance, the hash hole that you just smoked. Yep. Have you guys ever heard of a company called 710 Labs? 710. No. 710. Well, you will because they're massive. They're, okay. They're big dogs. So, I, do a, I, I provide a service for them, which is transport or distribution. And because I have that relationship with them, I'm one of a very select few people that they will actually sell their unpackaged product to. I'm smoking these rosins with different, it'd be interesting because, you know, some of these weeds, when you grow a natural dirt, you can taste the earthiness in the, in the weed. And you taste, you could have some great flavors with that. Well, one of the things that I, I've noticed is that one of my favorite indoor cannabis brands grows living soil indoor. And their shit is fire. Yeah? Yeah. It should be the standard. It doesn't have to be, but you Full can... flavored. I don't Everything's know. there. There's nothing hiding. It's all laid out. Just like a garden. Just like a living soil garden. Everything's plump. It's right there. It's right on the tip of your tongue. You can taste the pepper. You can taste the mint. You can yeah. taste yeah. all of those different terpenes. So you guys are... So you're grabbing... So all your best stuff is from the best stuff that's out there. Outside. It isn't from... It well, isn't from your own stuff. No. No. So it's kind of like a really good idea. Just steal somebody else's, just make it a little bit better. Hey, <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever blended two types of flour? Well, let me. Or two types of rosin to, to get the special flavor you wanted? Well, or first it... of all, to your point, I would like to say finding things that somebody else has and taking it and making it yours is the American way. Absolutely. So, yes, I'm very American. I'm a patriot. Hey, yeah, there yeah. we go. And, but if you look at it, it's like, if you want, if your thing, if your brand is to give somebody the best, right? What's the chance of your grower being the best one hundred out of one hundred? It's almost so impossible, good. right? So you can't really All stand on that phrase. No, you can't, because there's going to be crops that don't come as well. There's going to be crops that don't cure as well. Go to there might be a stores. time where you're going from 
winter into um, um, spring and you're dealing with a lot of humidity, it might not cure as well. There's all these factors that can make your crop not go perfectly. Right. So if I tell somebody I'm going to give you the best every time, if I've only got one option, then I'm bold-faced lying to you. So I have to be able to curate that from whoever has the best at that time. Right. And then if I say I'm giving you the best every time, you know it because I'm actively looking for the best. I'm here in Massachusetts right now yeah. looking for the best weed and the best rosin in Massachusetts so I can teach them my SOP for rolling what has been known as the best hash hole in America for 2023. So you're like the Titleist golf ball. I might be. Titleist was like, hey, everybody come out with your shit. And then he came out with a freaking Pearl V. And they're like, yeah, bam. Yep. <laughs> they took over the game. Yeah, they took over the game. And that's what it's about. So you can guarantee your customers the best yes. flower, the best rosin. Because I'm curating the best at every drop. Whoever's the best when we go through that decision process, that's who I'm buying it. Consistency goes a long way. Uh, well, that's what it's all about. Well, I, was in a meeting, I was in a meeting the other day, and the question was asked to me, um, well, could you manufacture 5,000 of these if we need them? And I said, yeah, of course I can. No they, say, they said, well, you know. It's all hand-rolled? Yeah, they said, what's your cogs? And I walked them through it, and they said, wow, that's a lot to pay to hand-roll one of these things. And I said, hey, you know what? It gives a desired experience. That's all I know. Listen. When you go shopping and you're saying, I need something, the you don't know what your price is for it first. The first thing you know is what you need. You figure out afterwards what you're willing to spend on it, right. but you right. know that you need it. Right. So I, I'm like, okay, I know that I need this to stay an upper echelon smokable good. And I can't say that and have freaking a robot doing it. I don't feel it's the same. You're smoking a cigar. Do you think a robot rolled your cigar? <laughs> I don't no, know. You know who rolled Probably it? Some eight-year-old kid. Yeah, right. Uh, Migo rolled it. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Migo fucking rolled that thing. Listen, That's quick, listen so you, know, you bring up a point. Yeah. You need to have good health benefits over there. Yeah. Because I mean, you're going to have a lot of people with cobble tunnel. Because you're rolling that many freaking pre-rolls. Hey. There's going to be a lot you know, of cobble like tunnel going on How many on can there. one person roll in a day? You know what? I actually... What, I know the guy that runs the team that rolls my hash holes. But okay. I actually just met that the whole team the other day. That's a great, great question. Great guys, they actually rolled the hash hole that won the competition. So oh, I know that I'm somebody, but I know that I'm not the same person without them. I give a lot of credit to True. them because what they do is an artisan craft thing. They roll what I curate into what people will know as the hash hole experience. So many you got? How many of you guys roll in a day? I think they're probably between their whole team. They could probably bang about 800 out a day. I would. Say. Okay, that's pretty good. I Rup. like I like the taste of that. I love oh, I love hash. Yeah. I mean, I wish somebody would just sell, like, back in the 80s, you'd buy, like, a gram of hash that would come in a block. Yeah. Well, if you, Boston, you know, or the 90s, whenever you were in there, they had a, you know, buy a gram, you put it under a glass and smoke it. Yeah. Okay. I've never done that. I was kind of a nerd growing up. I didn't start smoking weed until I was, like, in my 20s. Oh, no way. Yeah. What, what yeah. got, what, is that when you started getting into the business, or were you in the business before oh. and didn't smoke, and then well, all of a sudden late. smoked? That's no, late no. Game. So, like, when I was, like, young, I was just a knucklehead. I just I didn't I didn't do drugs. Oh, okay. So I got in plenty of trouble. I just well, was high while I was doing yeah, you didn't. stone cold sober, just doing <laughs> fucked up shit. It's like my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but um I I I think kind of like I didn't even really smoke when I was selling it. Okay. You know, cause and now I, I right. know you know what? I just didn't I didn't enjoy it the way that I enjoy it now. Like back then it kind of gave me anxiety because I 
I was in. I was living a lifestyle that like you had to be. On yeah, the shit. door's getting busted. You know what I'm saying? Minute. Like it was me versus the everyone. World. Yeah, you know, and so you like couldn't really be like too spun out. You know, and so like you're on your own island. Yeah, yeah. So like I, I that I think that's what stopped me from smoking is I just always wanted to be on point, and I and I was that person. Like in my circle, I was like the guy that was like always like. See, I could relate to that. I did that in my freshman year. You know, just keeping an eye on things. Stop. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I was done. Yeah, I was done smoking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like. <laughs> You know, and we were watching for not necessarily, you know, we were not doing the right things. So we were watching for people that disapproved of that, too. Yep. So, come on, we always ask, when was the first time you smoked? That's what he's going to. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, come on. The first time I smoked was probably like 14 years old. And why'd you okay. do it? Um, my cousin had stolen some weed from my brother who grew <laughs> weed in our attic. It was like Bud still had the leaf and everything on it. We knew. Nothing. Oh, he didn't even dry it out. We, he we just we like baked in the oven. He knew that we needed that and he knew we needed an apple. That's all he knew. Okay. Oh, yeah. So we had a little piece of aluminum foil in there, and we packed it in there, and we were just burning aluminum foil. Was the weed still wet? <laughs> just taking big aluminum hits. We, you know, we can relate. The weed wasn't burning. It was still wet. Came a long way now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Figured it out from the apple to the dunks fucking. Yeah, we figured it out. We, cra we cracked the code. But um, that I was done that. That was definitely my first time. And um, I don't know. It, didn't, it just didn't stick with me. I, I like my cups, though. Big whiskey guy. See, see oh, yeah. I can relate. That was the same thing with me. I said, I, I like to drink. This will be interesting with the, the dunk the dunks thing. Yeah. I like the colors. It's yeah. good. The so merch you, is cool. Right. Listen, you, I, I said that. A funny story. All right. So I'm like I told you, I come from a fashion background, right? Yep. So I'm like, I want to do the coolest merch ever for my booth, right? This is like my my first real booth. So I want to wow everybody. I want to, you know. For lack of a better term, I want to big dick the situation is what I like. Okay, you came in there swinging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, 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 yeah. 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 Posses like, in the house. But yeah, yeah. I was like, yo, Some people might get mad. No, magnum no, in the situation. It, 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 like, by I'm not saying that's a motivator for me, but when there's a situation where people are doing their best to stand out, the name of the game is stand out, right? Yes. So if you think standing out means doing what everyone else is doing. You must not wrong. You no, know, you're not passing the class. Buddy. <laughs> yeah, right. You didn't understand the assignment. Yeah. Stand out means like pop the collar, floor yeah. length mink. Right. You yeah. know, everything. Right. Pull right. the pull the Rolls Royce out like you want to show out. Yeah. So I just did that in my own fashion. Right. And we created an experience that allowed people to step out of the event and into our world for a little bit. Okay. And what it was was people were saying, Oh, you know, I just want to try one and well, and they walked around. There were some people that smoked one, came back, tried another one, came back, tried another one. Like that was their that was their preferred. Rob meal does that. Me. Rob does that at BJ's when they do the samples. Oh yeah, he just goes in, <laughs> puts a different <laughs> hat on, and oh, comes the, in and comes grabs a different sample. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I had to charge. Yes. Oh yeah. But hey, can we? Um, can somebody get Rick another drink, please? <laughs> he's on, he's on, he's on <laughs> e. And um, you know, the way that we treated it was like. People were able to come in, smell the flower, see the names. Decide, oh, this one smells good. Is this okay? That's that one. Yeah, I need that one. Open the rosin. Oh yeah, these Can't two do smell that great here. together. And then they were able to step back because there was a line. We had a line from four in the afternoon till midnight, wow. and they'd get in line. Oh, yeah. And then when it was their turn, I had set up an area with one of the best rollers in the world. His name's Bruno Rolls. He rolls for me. You guys can try to headhunt him from me. But you're gonna have to pay him more than me, and that's a lot. So, <laughs> but this is the guy. Yeah, yeah, he's the guy. He's so he's a he, he's, he's a human machine. The best of his kind, and the, the best grower in the world. He's a samurai. 
He roll calls up. himself a role assassin. The role assassin? Okay. Lux role assassin. And this is your guy? Yes. Does he run the rolling outfit for you? Yes, he does. Okay. So we, I set him up at a table. He's got a tuxedo on, bow tie, cumbered. Oh, I right. like it. Right? He's got his table out in front of oh, him. He's we got, got the, the tools of trade. And I had a velvet rope around him, and I put a nice area rug there with some, some low-sitting stools right about this height right here. Yeah. And when your turn came, you came through the velvet rope, and you sat down, and he took the flower that you selected and the rosin that you oh, selected okay. and rolled it in front of you, put the Dunks cigar band on it, and put it inside a tube and handed it to you. And he would like you, you could talk to him about it. Right, right. Listen, this right, is cigar right. stuff right did, did now. Now you're talking cigar. Now you're talking cigar stuff it's right an experience. now. And I know other people are going to want to do things like this. And you want to know what? I hope you do because it's good for the culture. Did he have a tip? I don't care if you do it better than me. I want to come to your booth. Right, right. right. When you take it to the next level, let me know where so I can pull up, spend some money. And, and I want an experience. Did the guy have a tip jar? No. Oh, I would have. But I tipped him out when he told me how much he wanted me to pay him to skip MJ Biz and come do my event. Oh. Yeah. Cost. He was tipped out. Cost. He, Quality he paid, cost. He got paid in advance. You know what I mean? But. He was probably high as fuck the whole time. Too. I mean, you know what? With his job, he's always high. That's a, that's a one-on-one personal experience, though, to be able to smoke your experience. own flower. But, he, but that's what you're your talking about. Yeah. experience, like, right? And so. That's it, cool. It's experience. That makes people say, this is what you can do. If you take it there, well, that's great. Yeah, man. So we're yeah. just having fun with it right now, and I'm, I'm excited about coming home. And like, you know, I'm from here. All my friends are here. All my family's here. They're excited about. They're like, oh man, like I've been away for so long. They're like, you're gonna come home. All the stuff that they've seen me do from three thousand miles away, I'll be doing from like an hour or a half hour away now. So like, they're excited to see. Like, all right, what are you gonna do next? You know, and I'm. I'm probably more excited than they are because I don't even know. I'm going to fucking try to do something, though. Nice. You know, just tap back in. But I made some other contacts prior to that. And okay. those contacts that I think will be the most fruitful. And though, actually, that contact is the reason that I'm here right now. So oh, I want to give anybody right. a hand. Of, right. Right. A round of applause. It should yeah. be to the guy in the back. That Yeah. Travis yeah. The guy in the back. Hell yeah, industry. Oh, call Yo, clap the going on. Connector. Listen, man, the guy in the background needs his flowers every now and then, too. Right, right. Right. But yeah. listen, people looking for the end product. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. Br brings people together. And yeah. I appreciate right. you collabing with us and yeah. stopping in while you were in town, back well, thank in town. You, man. I appreciate you guys and having me.